everybody. Welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Dubs. I am your host, Bill T, and it's another jam-packed weekend of stuff to do here, especially in Las Vegas this weekend if you happen to be coming to town for the uh, VW weekend that is put on by Jet Performance, the clean and elite VW shows along, along with some of the other events that are going on this weekend. There's also Barrett Jackson going on this weekend and our podcast this week specifically focuses on Barrett Jackson and the low mileage original type 34 Carmen Ghia that is going through the auction. So on this episode, we talked to Lee Hedges specifically about what this car is worth, the history. He's got a lot of personal experience with this particular car. We saw this car on bring a trailer and never didn't meet the reserve. And then we see it now over here at Barrett Jackson. We talk about the different philosophies and how and where and what it'll sell for. A lot of personal information about the car. Great podcast. Check it out. Also, don't forget, guys, if you want to support the podcast, go to Let's Talk Dubs page. There'll be a link in the details on this podcast. And you can support the podcast by buying some merch. It's always good to help support something you love. So if you like the podcast, don't forget to go to Apple iTunes and give us a five-star review. Also, write some nice comments about us. We'll give you a shout-out on the podcast. Uh, it also helps other VW enthusiasts find the podcast a little bit easier. So don't forget. Also, we love it when you share with a friend. So make sure you guys share this podcast with a friend. Other than that, we've got uh, an opportunity here at Let's Talk Dubs. Any of my listeners out there want to get on board and be part of the Let's Talk Dubs crew. Some of you guys with some editing skills. I've got a lot of video that needs to be edited to match up with some of the podcasts, some companions and stuff like that. So if there's anybody out there that's got an opportunity that may want to be part of the editing process of this one-man band and help edit some videos and be part of the Let's Talk Dubs crew. I promise you get some free swag, some cool stuff, and you get a lot of insight and behind-the-scenes information. So hit us up, hit me up, Bill, at letstalkdubs.com is my email. Shoot me an email. Anything you guys want to hear about or hear discussed or people you want interviewed, shoot me an email at billletstalkdubs.com, and I'll take those emails and we'll track those people down. A lot of great podcasts coming up over the next couple of weeks. Really good interviews and some people that have a lot of things going on in the VW scene. So uh, for now, let's turn it over to Lee and I talking specifically about Barrett Jackson this weekend, Las Vegas, what VWs are doing in the market, and specifically this Type 34 and what we think is going to happen. So this week's podcast. A Volkswagen is a nice station wagon to have everybody so back to another episode here let's talk dubs and interesting weekend we have happening this week here in las vegas barrett jackson auto auction is here and as we've seen over the past couple years there's been a lot of vws going through the auction block we've seen buses skyrocket over the past couple years and then vws as a whole start to push into the whole auction scene so what's really cool this particular weekend here in las vegas is there's a type 34 gear that we've been seeing uh lee and i talked about it um, back previous on the podcast, we may have seen it go through. Uh, we, we, it was up on Bring a Trailer, and this particular Type 34 Gia happens to reside here in Las Vegas, although I've never seen it personally. And on today's podcast, I've got Lee Hedges with us, and we're going to discuss specifically this Type 34 Gia. And this could be a companion if you're thinking about buying this car. This is maybe some some good listen to history about this specific car. And I've got the guy himself on the podcast that has a lot of the personal information on this car. Lee, welcome to the podcast. How's it going? Good to see you, Bill. Yeah, good. Good to have you back, man. Um, we, we spoke a while back about this particular car on Bring a Trailer, and I think we talked about it a little bit off air. 
because this car was coming up. And then um, I can't recall if you had asked me if I knew anything about it because the car was located in Las Vegas. And then uh, I realized I didn't know anything about this car and it was part of somebody's collection. And this car we saw, when's the last time we saw this car and where was it? Oh man, last time I saw it was in my care. Um, I had consigned it in 2014 and um, it went to a couple in Santa Cruz, California. And so the couple that purchased in Santa Cruz, California, yeah. they were uh, VW enthusiasts? Not really. They were a husband and wife team that they fell in love with the car, loved the color combination, and decided that that was one they have to work on. And so that's back in 2014. Prior to that, did you, you had a little bit of knowledge about this car before they purchased it? Yeah, sure. This car came up... Um, it originally was purchased by a couple in Germany when they were on vacation and they brought it back to Flagstaff, Arizona in the sixties, late sixties. And, um, they lived in Flagstaff. They were teachers at the Northern Arizona university. And, um, he drove it back and forth to the university every day. And then finally they got to the point where they had decided it was time to move it on. And they offered it up to their mechanic, um, and he quickly flipped it and it changed hands three or four times from different people in Southern California and uh, eventually ended up in a guy's hands named Bata. Bata ran a really good um, vintage car uh, company called Bad Company and he fell in love with the car and made a lot of the modifications or fixes that it needed to get to the point that it's at now yeah and so bada had the car as he kind of prop he, he spruced it back up to where it should have been as far as what the car needed to be properly preserved right so he was a stickler for perfection his type of company managed high-end porsche 550 spider restoration uh super high-end 50s mercedes restoration and so on so he really knew the details about things. He got in touch with us and was able to narrow down the things that needed to be adjusted to it to fix it. Uh, seat seams in the front seats were ripped. Uh, the upholstery was a little bit torn in the front seats. The uh, wood grain dash material and so on. Dash pads were cracked. And so he really took a fine tooth comb to it and redid the body, um, color sanding, polishing the way that a professional would and brought it to its current condition. And so since then, the car, when you first saw the car, how many miles were on the car? I think it was about uh, 53,000 or so uh -huh. when we first saw it, which is phenomenal for a 50-year-old car. Oh, absolutely. And, um, so it didn't get much mileage on it during the next two or three owners as it bounced around. And then uh, it ended up uh, being sold from the couple I sold it to in Santa Cruz to this owner in uh, Las Vegas, who I think is a, is a reseller. And this guy is, yeah. So I haven't met the guy in Vegas that owns this particular car, but um, you know, reviewing this car, we talked about it before because it was on bring a trailer and we kind of sat back and thought this should be pretty exciting to see what this thing sells for. And I think last time we had you on here, you talked about what you anticipated it would, it would go for. Uh, when you and I were speaking, and the number that you threw on it was pretty dang accurate. Um, and that seems to be where the auction stopped. And then we shortly thereafter saw it for, <laughs> we saw it listed for sale on the Samba. I think it was like $68,000 or something. <laughs> something yeah, a, 
double. yeah, double than what, what the reserve or what the high bid went up to. And yep. so talking about that, you know, these cars, in my opinion, have always been really undervalued. I mean, they're really, it's a production coach built vehicle. Um, but it's still relatively low numbers for, you know, the, the total production of this car. So I feel like they've been undervalued. And then also to find one, this original, um, give me some of your reasons why, what makes this car worth more than, um, more than, a, is this car worth more than a restored car to you? Yeah. So um, type 34s are, like you said, extremely difficult to find in good condition these days. Um, to find one that that has low mileage, that has documented history, that is completely stock, numbers matching, great paint combination, great mechanics, and um, and available to buy is, you know, it, it checks all the boxes of all of us that are really looking for a great quality top shelf type 34. So it's rare to find one that has all those things. Yeah. The only thing that one doesn't have is an electric sunroof. Oh gee, there's only 200 of those in the world. Right. And um, you know, it has had a little bit of uh, cleaning up cosmetically. So you can't really fault it for that. Um, being low mileage, being, um, you know, the way that it is, it's been very, very well preserved. So it checks all the boxes for most of us. And all we would like to change about it when I talk to all my buddies is they just like to change the title to their name. Yeah, no, uh, listen, I'd love to buy this car. When this car came up and bring a trailer, I thought, man, if this thing goes for, you know, of course, I'm trying to get a deal. But I'm thinking to myself, if this thing goes, you know, mid to high 20s, man, it's a steal all day long because this is a money in the bank car, you know. This car arguably is worth easily thirty-five, forty thousand dollars. I mean, I think to to anybody that's that's a a collector to a point that you want to buy something and park in your garage and it's only going to continue to go up in value. Now, looking at these cars and production numbers, we've what we've seen happen over the past few years with the early SL Mercedes, you know, like the two-door Mercedes and stuff, those cars have gone crazy in price. That's true. Well, this one, you know, this one, of course. Uh, when it was sold a couple times under my care, it sold at 30K and 35K, which was really at that point, five or six or eight years ago, at the top of the market for a car like this without an electric sunroof. So right now, I, I think we probably expect um, reasonable value to be in the 38 to 40. And when you get in an auction situation, anything can happen. You get a couple of people that really uh, feel like it is an un unobtainium car that it would go higher than that, of course. And then I'm sure that's what he's, the seller's hoping for, that it finds a, a liking amongst the uh, Mopar and the classic car bidders at an auction like this and really, really makes a dent in the uh, the bidding. Yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting because with people that are the VW collectors specifically, they're always looking for the earliest models possible. You know, everybody wants the barn door, the split window, the the earliest of the models, you know, the early, the, 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 the side badge type 34, you know, the 62s, those sure. sorts of things. But I think what makes this car so unique is first people that are not avid VW fans will be a little bit surprised that this is a Volkswagen when they see that it's a Volkswagen. 
then they'll think it's you know you, of course like you'll you'll read you'll standing next to this car for an hour I'm sure you'll hear all the comments that people were making on bring a trailer all those you know the the the, the throngs of uneducated car experts that are out there spouting <laughs> off their two cents of nonsense um, and so I think yep. it, it's got some of that intrinsic value where you know to the non-collector they might think like wow this thing's super rare they've never seen one so they're going to peel off some money for it there's also on the contrary to that there's also depending on what sells before and after the car you know so when you're looking especially when you're going to, to the barrett jackson so this car is lot number 801 um you know when when you're looking at cars like this the car before it is a 1970 chevrolet corvette before yep. that is a Bentley Continental GT, another <laughs> Bentley Continental GT. And so 8.01, I'm curious what time it's going to go through the car after it. Because sometimes the cars before and after have a tendency to kind of, I don't want to say sway the market, but it, 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 it's the, the majority of the cars that are going through at the time bring those buyers to the, to the forefront of what they're going to be buying. And so it's interesting the placement of this car because it's sandwiched between a bunch of newer late model Mercedes SLKs. As I'm going through and just going, like I'm in the 800s and I'm just sitting here clicking on Mercedes after Mercedes, and then I go to a Mustang, then a NASCAR is, Great. you know, it's it, it's 10 lots away. So you're talking the, the let's take a look at the pre-ramp up to this car and the car prior to it is that 70 Chev, Chev, uh, Chevy Corvette with the 454 convertible, so that's a big money car. Bentley Continental GT before that, Bentley Continental GT, then a 37 Ford Custom Street Rod. And then, is this an icon? Looks like a, a 69 Ford Bronco. So it's kind of, in, it, it, it's in a money spot because it's in between all these Continental GTs, Land Rovers. I mean, these are the kind of cars that it's ramping up to. So it, it's interesting who's going to be paying attention to this thing when it goes through because I've actually seen cars go through Barrett-Jackson Auction on like a Thursday that have sold for reasonably cheap money that if I were the seller, I would be less than excited for what these things sold for. So there's a, there's a lot of factors to take into consideration when this thing goes through. And I think with us standing back watching to see what's going to happen, because as Type 34 enthusiasts, we look at, to us, our Type 34s are invaluable. You know, they're really rare. They're not something you find every day. And, and every sim single segment of its own early, mid, and late years have their own little special uniqueness about them. Yeah. But it'll be... So the thing that strikes me, though, is, and against all you said, which is makes perfect sense, is this clientele that bids on these cars at this auction, when they hear Carmen Ghia, they think $10,000 Type 14 Carmen Ghia. Yeah. They think mass production, low Volkswagen, low power, no style... You know, they're, they're used to a regular Carmen Ghia. They're going to see this car, and they have no idea what they're looking at. You know, they're not used to a $50,000 Volkswagen Carmen Ghia. It just is unheard of. So it'll be really exciting from a, a spectator perspective, because I'm not in a position to get this one, to see, one, what the starting bid's going to be. If they put the starting bid at 5000 or 8000 like a regular Carmen Ghia, it could be a sweet deal. If nobody's paying attention, or if they started at thirty-five thousand, then it could go nowhere. Yeah, and so, it, and it absolutely is going at no reserve. So that's the interesting part. And I, so now, as I look at the rest of the lineup for Barrett Jackson, Volkswagen-wise, 
you've got a 61 Beetle, a 77 Custom Bus, 71 Custom Beetle, 70 Funky Bus, 79 Bus, 62 Bug, Late Model. I mean, and then when you get to the buses, there's two 23 windows, both of them Brazilians. Yeah. Both 75 and 73s. So So this is the nicest, rarest of the Volkswagens that's going to go through. It it is next to the sixty five crew cab pickup that's going through, and yep. I think that, I think I re, I may remember this sixty five crew cab going through before, and it looks to be a a, a velvet green um, total restoration crew cab. So, but it's so far off in the in the numbers. This car is number six eighty seven, so it you know. And I'm not 100% sure what, what the times go through on those. Um, but these the cars before the crew cab are Impalas, uh, Mopars, a new Corvette. Um, there's, so I'm looking, because I look at the ramp up coming up to these cars. And so my personal opinion, I think the crew cab will sell for more money. Yep. Um, but I think what's going to be interesting is to see as a whole, it's it's interesting because each different area of Barrett Jackson, different cars sell for different amounts of money. You know, it's just like you and I when we're when we're looking for things. If we're looking for you know in the Midwest for a Type Thirty Four Gia, it's going to be substantially cheaper online than it's going to be on the West Coast. Yeah. You know, so regionally these things play an impact on the sell price of these vehicles. I'm I, I, I'm excited to see what it's going to sell for. I'm almost trying to figure out if I know somebody there is buying or has a has a bidder's paddle in case this thing goes for a deal, because here's something to think about is from value standpoint in Europe, the the Type 34s tend to be in a little bit more original preserved condition um, because of the limited amount of heat and sunlight out there, and so the good ones there are topping you know 45 to 55 thousand euro. And that, that's no small chunk of change. Here in the U.S., we don't get that level of car available because of the sun, because of the use factor, and because of the lack of parts. And they were never sold here. You, you're typically seeing a high-end car at 35 to 40K. So it'll be really interesting to see um, if this one takes off. Because from their perspective, from the business perspective, if you're not a VW guy, this could be right in line with an alpha uh, a sports car from the 60s. It could be right in line with, um, you know, an early Mercedes, a 190 or something. And yeah. really strike a chord with a buyer and say, this is unique. This is very stylish. And it's a top level car. So any, it's anybody's guess. Yeah, I'm I'm uh, I'm interested. I'm excited to go see the cars because because I'm here in Las Vegas. I'm going to go take a look at the car, and I'll I'll probably Facebook live and then and then send it over to the Type Thirty Four channel just so I can give everybody a walk around this car, take a look at some things. Um, awesome. Uh, awesome. What I love, especially about all original cars, most importantly with Type Thirty Fours, because really original examples aren't so commonplace, and to see you know to really look at like the front trunk latch um, bumper or the door seal so many things that that we have questions on because by the time we get these cars in our hands those parts are deteriorated and gone to nothing and we don't really know the true fit or the i mean how many times have we seen a molding put on backwards or incorrect because 
you know, there's there's few, if any, details on those things because these cars were built, you know, at the Carmen Coachworks facility, you know what I mean? And so they were really unique and, and super limited to purchase new. And then, like you said, by the time we get them out here, they're pretty they're pretty well-worn. So I'm excited just to go get up close and personal and see one that's in this original condition. Um, now there's, there's some, there's some things that, you know, in regards to the history on this car specifically, um, it's, it's claiming that the mileage is around 64, 68,000, I think something like that. And yep. then, um, now, you know, in regards to the history on this, that it has been repainted one time before. That's right. So when it was at, uh, Northern Arizona university in the college parking lot, a, a college students, uh, broke the back window on it. <laughs> And uh, when they did that, it chipped up the paint on the back end and, and it got a, a, a fender bender at some point uh, in the parking lot there. Not enough to hurt anything, but enough for them to be wanting to repaint it. So they repainted it a long time ago in the uh, early 80s, I think he said. And so um, to look as good as it does now with a repaint is, is a really good testament to the quality of the job that was done, I think. Yeah, and finding that finding a, a, a rear window with a defroster uh, probably not super easy in the states. So the story on that was that it was refitted with a regular non-heating rear window when they put it back together because no one would, could find one. And then when Box owned it, he ran into another Type 34 owner named Tom Ray, and Tom just happened to have bought from Bill and Steve's of all places, the Type 3 supply store, had bought an electrically heated rear window. And Tom traded the rear window for a standard window he needed for his 68. <laughs> so it does have an electrically heated rear window in it and uh, is correct. So that's another another notch in the belt of this this really neat 68 is that it has some really unique features to it. Now, 68, you know, some of the character feature, characteristics that make a 68 discernible from, let's say, a 65, 66, the first thing you're going to notice, obviously, is going to be the dashboard uh, yeah that that wood grain dashboard that was a, a plastic uh silk screen kind of vinyl uh plastic vinyl over it um regular carmen has got it as well and then rubber knobs those the, the rubber knobs showed up in what 67 yeah 67 had unique shaped rubber knobs and then they went to the ribbed style beetle knobs that were common for the safety uh requirements back in the 68 era so it has, it, it's got, you know, for the VW enthusiasts, we normally see white, you know, the ivory knobs, ivory thin knobs on the dash and whatnot. And so this has the telltale signs of a late model car, um, which I think adds to, in my opinion, it kind of adds to the uniqueness because most of the Type 34s, I'm not familiar with seeing a ton of late model Type 34s on the streets um, yep. as, as, many, as much as I see early ones. So there's a couple of parts on a 68 that are really tough to find that this one has. And, uh, you know, a black faced uh, rearview mirror. That's a plastic mirror back. that was only used for a couple of years. And there were dual reverse lights under the taillight that were only used for a couple of years and the unique uh, VW 1600 L badge. So, um, you know, late models don't show up very often for a good reason because they only made a couple of thousand of the 68 and 69s. Yeah, what, uh, were, what were the production numbers 68 and 69 in, in those particular yeah, was about, years? It was about 1,400 and 1,500. So and, um, not very many of the of the 42,000 built were built in those last two years when they knew they were going to end production and ramped it down. 
And, you know, I looked through the database as well, which is always something that's unique to see is see what the total numbers are. And we have 1,630 total type 34s of all years in the database. I estimate about 50% of those are going to be driving. Yeah. So in, in the USA alone, we have about 550 total and half of those would be 275 or so are going to be running driving and only four or five are going to be 1968s to give you an idea of how rare that is. Yeah, that's a, that's a pretty, that's pretty rare. And it's still, uh, is the 68 and 69 are both still swing axle cars or do they change them to IRS? 68, if it had a manual transmission was a swing axle and the automatics got an IRS in 68 In 69, they went to IRS all the way through. Yeah. It's uh, I mean, this is this is a, a swing axle '68 manual transmission four-speed. Yeah, this is. I mean, it's kind of it's kind of the last of the deals on this on this particular car here because of the, you know, '68 being the the year before they ceased production, and then '69. You know, I mean, is a '69 harder to find than '68? Have those been more rare? Uh, not really. They're both pretty rare because they're limited limited production, and uh, they we don't see them very often in the U.S. Yeah, I you know what. Go ahead. No, no. I, well, I, I wonder what the rate of attrition is on these cars. I mean, they figure what twenty five percent for accidents, and then maybe another twenty five percent for just dilapidation and junked out, and then probably fifty percent somehow stayed either on the road or they're hitting the backyard somewhere. So, I mean, I, I w- if if I had to guess, right? I mean, we're thinking maybe fifty percent of each production, if we're lucky, are still physically around, and out of the fifty percent, maybe twenty percent are on the road. Yeah, so I've been collecting for 30 years of uh, Type 34 chassis numbers, and we only have 1,600 out of 42,000. Wow. A huge attrition rate. And the main reason for that is rust, of course. Um, But uh, that's a really small percentage of cars that are existing. And of those 1,600, only 50% are on the road. So, I mean, listen, I'm not one to try to, you know, push the value of the type 34s up but the more we talk about these cars and the more we really understand what a what an anomaly this is in the vw lineup you know the sports car for the economy car company it's it's really a unique car and the scarcity of it i mean i mean i personally listen I don't want to brag that I hold the world record for the most expensive Type 34 Agia sold so far to date that I know of, but I don't think I sold it for that much more than what a really, really nice, well-restored Type 34, in my opinion, would be worth because these cars to me, I mean, a lot of people probably thinking because I'm partial to them, you know, I'm saying these things, but... It, they're such a great car. I mean, from a, you know, I, I have a, I have a 51 split window that was stock when I first bought it and it's yep. miserable to drive. These mm-hmm. cars are super cool looking, really unique. It's still a Volkswagen feels and smells like a Volkswagen, but it really, they drive like a, they drive like a sports car. Yep. You know, I have a funny story. Um, we, we had this car, this 68 in my care when we were, consigning it and my buddy john house and i decided to take a drive up to julian up in the mountains and and i drove the type 34 and he drove his 59 356 yeah 20 thousand mile car right pristine 356 so we chase each other up into the mountain roads switch back going back and forth and then we go up and have lunch and switch cars and come back home 
so the other person could drive the car and have a comparison yeah. right there, right then within an hour, we got back home, we sat down over a beer and we're like, that is a dead match. I would choose either one of those cars for drivability, for handling, for power, for speed, for brakes. It was a, it was a dead match. So, um, this type 34 is a really well sorted out car that anybody would be happy to own their garage. Yeah, and and I think the 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 issues that this car has because you, you talked about some issues that this has, I think the issues are overcomable. You can look at those issues and take it into consideration. You can you can take the chance and say I'm going to preserve this car and make a few adjustments or leave it as is based on the fact that it's mostly an original Survivor. And I can think I, I think you can classify this car even though. You know, some of the things that you, you told me about this car, you said that there was a respray on this car. And, yep. you know, it, really the, the paint's not going to last that long. But I think a paint correction, maybe some touch-up, things like that. You know, I don't think they, if it's done to match the quality and style of the original factory production, I think it doesn't really negatively impact, impact it that much. Um, I mean, it does have some effect on it, but I really think, you know, a few things that are not perfect in this car just are testaments to it being an original vehicle, mostly original anyway. You know, and, and once the owner buys this car and they get in touch with the Type 34 World organization, we can help them find an original wood dash covering for the dash. We can find the um, the covered pads, the original vinyl pads, instead of having them covered um with a glue-on vinyl and those kinds of things, we can help them find those parts and put it back to better than they found it. You know, I, I was, now you're bringing up dash pads. On the dash pads, are, is there a source for those dash pads now? No, there isn't. Um, a couple of people, including myself, have tried, and it's just too expensive to make 10 of them for a run of 10 people that want them. So... The best choice in this case, because this car is so well preserved, would be to get in touch with our buddy Karsten in Germany and source an original dash pad that does not have any cracks or any holes or any problems with it and put it back to original just like it was when it was new. And what what's a dash pad going to run for this car? Uh, one in that condition would be 400 450 something like that. About yeah. the same as a early model type three notchback wraparound dash. And that's going to be at like an NOS dash upper and lower, just eat both pieces or separately. Uh, probably your upper dash pad, your lower dash pad is probably going to be a hundred less than that, but yeah. So you're $700. Not easy, to find. Not easy to find parts, but the nice thing about the type 34 world war organization is that we have everybody in every country that's willing to help and we help each other. Yeah. And I'm wondering, I'm wondering what the feasibility is. Are the dashboards interchangeable from a 68 to a 62? Uh, yes. Yes, there are some differences between the years, and they all fit. The upper dash pads, the lower dash pads, there's some differences with the steering column when it went to an angled ignition versus the over-the-top ignition. Mm -hmm. But there are some minor differences. So the question is, if you were able to reproduce the dash, let's say hypothetically you're able to reproduce the dash, and instead of making 10, you wanted to make 200 of them, yep. do you think there's a market for 200 of them if you could sell them for 300 bucks for an upper and lower dash pad? 
I believe there is because people call me all the time asking for a source for one. Yeah, because I've never seen. I mean, I've got two Type 34s here that are on deck and waiting to get moving into Projectsville. And uh, what's that? Yours need them. Mine need them. Yeah, every every Type 34 need them as well. Yeah, every Type 34 I've seen needs them. And um, I know that there's a company out here in Las Vegas that actually reproduces dash pads. And I'm going to hunt them down and have a conversation with those people over there and see if I could possibly, because that's their business. I, and it was funny how I found out about it through a friend of a friend. He's like, oh, yeah, my buddy owns this company. I'm like, what do they do? He says, they make dash pads. I'm like, dash pads? Like, what do you mean? He's like, oh, for all the classic cars and all this stuff. And, I'm, and I thought, oh, that's pretty cool. And then it never hit me until I looked at my Type 34 like, crap. I need to see if these guys could reproduce that dash pad because I think, you know, if they could make 200 units and sell them for decent money, because there's not much to them. And if they're already in the business of like the foam, the forming and the vinyl, then, you know, the the key would be finding a pristine set, I guess, to make a mold off of would really be where. And I can help you with that, you know, know? where they've got to start with that. But I'll, I'll report back to you and let you know my findings. If I get in touch with this dash company, see if I can, uh, help bring something to the table for that. Um, and that's, that's what we do. We all help each other. That's it. Yeah. So, well, man, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting out there, Barrett Jackson, taking a look at this car, uh, seeing what it's going to go for. And, uh, you know, what's your, what's your opinion, what do you think? If you were to put a hundred bucks down on a number, what number do you think is a so, reasonable number? So here's my, here's my issue. There's two, it can go one of two ways because of the cars that are flanked before and after. You've got a Chevy Corvette before, two cars before that are, are, are Bentley GTs, which are high dollar cars. So it may establish a dollar amount of, oh yeah. man, that car's only 70,000. That's a deal. You know what I mean? <laughs> and it could, and it could go for, it could go on, a, go for a record, which would be awesome. But realistically, you know, my, my heart thinks like, well, if I were there bidding, I hope it would sell for 27 and I would steal this car, take it home and just have the, have the appreciating asset every day in my car, in my garage to go polish. Um, but I'm, if I'm going to guess in this car, I'm going to say this car, my number on this car going through the auction is going to be $48,000. That's the number I'm going to pick on this car. What, what number, what number are you giving me? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm really, I think the number is going to base on the starting number, to be honest. I think if it starts low, it's going to stay low. I think if it starts high at mid-20s, then it could go up to 45. I think that's a reasonable high value. Um, 70, 80 is going to depend on multiple bidders. And I so so bringing that aspect into it, here's what I'm going to say. I'm going to say, this is my guess. My guess starting bid on this car is 30K. Okay. That's going to be my guess. What do you think they'll start to bid at? Yeah, I think 20, 20 to 25 because no one's ever seen one before. They have no concept of what a starting point or a type 34 should be. Yeah, it should be interesting to see what, what number they get to tomorrow because there's, there's kind of spots in and outside of the lot number, so you can't really run it really accurately. But yeah. based on this car being lot number 801 – I'm thinking it's going to be a Friday evening car. Like, I don't know if it's going to be prime time or past prime, but uh, we'll see because a lot of that, a lot of that has pretty heavy bearing on that. The VW, I think some other things that maybe negatively impact the sale of this thing possibly 
is the assortment of Volkswagens that are out there. If there were a bunch of, you know, um, early buses and, you know, nice, pristine, vintage, there's nothing that really looks vintage in the lineup for sale, which I think would draw some VW, you know, car collectors that are starting to get into the VW scene. It might bring them out there, but I don't, I'm not seeing it. I see a lowered single cab, um, I see three Super Beetle convertibles. There's a 62 ragtop is like the most stock looking thing. And it's, and it's, but of all of those, of all of those, the type 34 is going to be at the top of your list. Oh, well, so if you've got 50 K to blow and you want the best vintage VW on the lot and you're not a truck guy. Yeah. The type 34 is the winner. That's your first choice. Oh, no, well, listen, there's no question about that. My concern is just like, are the, are, you know, when when people see one or two VWs get away for pretty expensive, then that yeah. automatically kicks up like, okay, there's another Volkswagen coming up, and this one's even more rare. I'm going for this. So yeah. it should be um, – I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I mean, uh, I'm I'm hopeful. It, it's, it's, it's good and bad because if the car sells for a lot of money – we look what happened after my car sold. Yeah. I had a car lined up to buy <laughs> – a week after I sold my car and it was gone when I called on it. The next cars I saw listed were 10,000 more than they were worth. Every one of them. And I was pretty bitter about that because I ruined my own punch. But you know, cause my thought was like after driving this over restored vehicle for, you know, uh, was it eight, eight years that I had the car? I was like, my thought was, I'm just going to get a driver type 34, just a car I can kick around in and I can drive it and I'm not freaked out about where I park it and the anxiety is a lot lower and, and those kinds of things. But, and then I was trying to find one and they just disappeared. It was like right after that. I mean, it was months that I was searching on the internet looking for one and there was parts online, but no complete cars. And then the complete cars that you saw were literally completely roached out. Yeah, I mean basket cases. A, a friend of mine here in Las Vegas, my buddy, shout out to Steve Hartlauer. He purchased, <laughs> he purchased a Type Thirty Four, and you may know the car. There was a Type Thirty Four that was in a rollover, <laughs> and, and he bought this particular car, and then he bought two, and so he and I were talking, and, and I've got two, and I've got a sixty-five that's r- pretty cherry, like it's pretty straight. One of the headlights is boogered, boogered up, but it's a solid project to start with. The car that I bought out of Reno, Nevada um, from a guy, uh, a car that I bought for the windshield and the windshield trim. So I bought a whole car back when I was, when I was, when I was restoring my Type 34. I bought this car, complete car, for $1,600. Yeah. And, and I met the guy between... Uh, I met him in Tonopah, Nevada, between Reno. We met halfway, and we switched cars. And the windshield trim, the right side of the windshield trim, you could find off the highway somewhere near Indian Springs as I was watching it <laughs> flap in the wing. But I wasn't concerned about that because I just wanted a window without the rainbow stripes in it from somebody <laughs> running a car without a wiper. And right. uh, long story short, I never installed that windshield in my 65 uh, my gray car, that windshield still sits in my garage to this day. And then I got the car, I ended up getting the car back. And so I went to go see this type 34 
because I thought, well, the, you know, the 65, I got to missing some pieces. Let me go talk to my buddy, Steven, maybe work out a deal. And then I went to go see his. And unfortunately, his car that had been rolled over, he said, yeah, it just needs a little roof work. And then I went there and I thought to myself, I've never seen the top of the inside of the dashboard rusted like yours is. <laughs> because, I, I mean, this, I don't know if the car was submerged underwater or whatnot, but it's, it's got a little bit of, a, a little bit of cancer and stuff on it. And so... I mean, he's got like eight doors with the car and he's got all kinds of stuff, but the core car was kind of rough. And even for that car, I think that car sold for about $3,500 in the condition it was with a replacement roof. But, you know, that's what a roached out type 34 Gia is probably worth because of the scarcity and and what, where are you going to get the parts? Well, and there's always someone with $3,500 in their pocket that wants to be in a Type 34. Yeah. And so they don't realize they're $30,000 away from a finished Type 34. Now, what's the market been like lately? Have there been any cars, any Type 34s that you know of that have changed hands for significant money recently or just any kind of money? What kind of money they're trading for right now? So in Europe is the best way to come up with those numbers. And there are some very high dollar, 50 to 60K Euro cars that have sold. They're sold without being advertised, though. They're sold privately because just like some of the nicer Samba buses, they're sold between enthusiasts that they know the quality of the car because the other guy owned it. Right. And he has to have it. And you know you can't make a car that nice, that original. Um, so the other thing to consider is there are six original convertible type 34s and those are, uh, valued way, way above the highest coupe that could be sold. Yeah. What do you think if, if, if a convertible, if a convertible type 34 was going to change hands, what do you think that car would sell for on the open market? Yeah, I, I think that no one would admit to how much they would pay to buy one. I, I mean, think I, you I, and me both, I think we'd probably think uh, 125 would probably be a reasonable number. Yeah, I agree. Uh, look at what a look at what a Hev Mueller just went for. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So that auction and and uh, one of six versus one of 50. There's only six originals left. Now, the six, uh, the, the six uh, of those convertibles. All six of those are prototypes. Is that correct? So they were never sold to the public. So there were 15 made, and they were all given to gross handler dealers, meaning the large volume Volkswagen dealers mm-hmm. in Germany, as a um, a bribe that you've sold so many Volkswagens, therefore we're going to give you this car to put on display in your showroom to attract more people to your showroom. They were right. never sold. They were never given in private hands. And those cars were eventually, in the late 60s and 70s, sold to friends of friends or daughters of the owner or whatever. But they were never sold to the public. Yeah. You know, and so how do those cars end up on the market if they were just a dealer held on to vehicle? How do they end up in the, mar- in the market for sale? Well, I mean, the stories vary, of course. One of them was left in the dealership that it was given to and the dealership went out of business in the eighties and shuttered closed with all their parts and everything. The car was down in the basement. Nobody knew about it in the 
uh, early 90s, um, the car, the dealership came for auction and the public went to go see it. And one of our buddies in Germany went to go see what was there and happened to go down into the basement and find this thing. Oh, come on. He called his his wife (laughs) and he said, honey, don't use the bank account. I've spent every dollar. Unbelievable. And he acquired one of the six. So they're still out there. You know, there, there's actually one in Canada somewhere because the promo that happened in March and April of 1962 included one of the original convertibles and they didn't bring them back to Germany. There's a notch convertible as well. So they're out there. We just haven't found them yet. <sighs> I tell you, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's nuts. And, I, and as we're taught, as we're, as we're speaking right now, I happen to go onto the Samba right now and I'm, <laughs> I, I'm looking at it. I just, cause you know, I, I have problems. I already have two type 34s. Like I need a third and I'm looking and there's a, what appears to be a yellowish beige type 64 type 34 in Colorado. Yeah, that's a 64. That one's pretty, that's pretty typical of what an American type 34 looks like. The interior is gutted and whatever is there has been redone the dash is three different colors of paint. The radio's been hacked. The dash pads are toast. The seats have been recovered with looks like Sears upholstery. Mm-hmm. Uh, the body looks like the Cub Scouts had a shot at painting it. Yes. Yeah, I mean, it's just a typical American Type 34. That you didn't have a source for parts, so you did whatever you could to keep that thing on the road. Yeah, this is, uh, you know, and, and so this car is, they're asking. 28.5 for the car and at the end of the thing he says I am testing the water here to see if anyone wants it as is if I apply for the title and have further work done the price will go up many thanks and this oh, time, that, that's the guy is that the one in Colorado it is that's the one in Colorado hey, that's, a different, that's a different 64 then that yeah. one is a very clean original car that just surfaced it was in somebody's garage forever and it just surfaced a few years ago and it spent three years finding front wheel cylinders so they could redo the brakes. Three wow. years finding front wheel cylinders. So that's a good deal. You should buy that. You wow. should jump on that one because that's about the last of the good quality originals that you'll find that aren't in mid thirties. Yeah. No, it looks like it looks like a, it looks like a fairly decent car. Of course, the rubber needs to be sorted on it because it's pretty dry rotted on some of the rubber that I'm seeing here, but. Uh, what color is this? Um, is this is this like a Yukon yellow or what color is this? It's... Manila yellow. What is it? Manila yellow. Oh, it is like a Manila envelope, like a secret Manila envelope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it is uh, it, it definitely could use an attitude adjustment or altitude adjustment. They did do the uh, alternator swap on it, the smaltinator. Um, yeah. Which is interesting. Guy says he just spent nine thousand dollars on it, so. Um, well, he wrote the check, but somebody else got all the money. Yeah. The, well, no, he sp- he said he spent $9,000 recently fixing the car up. I mean, what I mean is he didn't spend that money. He just wrote a check. Yeah. And the tip-up is the one that spent the 3000 and pocketed 6000 Yeah. Yeah. It's, right? it's interesting. And, and so this car... This car looks like a pretty a pretty good car. I'm always suspect to people that put an ad up and say I'm just testing the water, um, yeah. because you yeah. wonder the you know the sincerity to trying to sell it, or they just are lonely and want a conversation with you for two hours on the phone. 
Um, but this car's that's a deal. I mean, I, I I'm a buyer at that car, like 22 grand. I'm a, I'm a cash buyer tomorrow on that car, you know? Yep. And yep. I think, I think convincing the individual that it's worth that is probably your biggest struggle because I'm sure he's convinced himself and we'll see, you know, this weekend could change some things this weekend, you know, so let me ask you this question. If this car sells at the auction, let's say worst case scenario goes through bear Jackson, the car hammers for 28 grand. What do you think it does to the market? Well, I mean, the market for type 34 is so slim. It's so scarce that um, I don't know that that would kill the market. Um, the good quality cars, like I said before, typically change hands between private owners right. for big sums of money. Um, yeah. They typically go on an advertised site. They definitely don't go to auction on a, a Bear Jackson or some other type of auction. So I think if it sells low, it would be because – the clientele there has no concept of what a Type 34 is. Yeah, and that's that's part of the scary thing about listing a car. So my thought, here's my thought, just me thinking out loud. This guy wanted a lot of money for this car. Yeah. If this guy's in the car sales business and maybe a, a, a kind of a collector, it's an interesting decision to send it to Barrett Jackson. Because I think of I think of the auctions where they would the car would be more appreciated would be like an RM or something that's more like a vintage auction than than maybe like a custom car or hot rod kind of auction, which Barrett Jackson has a tendency to be like maybe more exotics and I wouldn't even think less exotics, more just kind of hot rod horsepower type cars. Um, yep. you're more just American collector versus like you know, the RM and the Sotheby's and the Gooding auctions are more, you know, kind of um, concourse type peoples, you know. So I think it's an interesting play for him to put it up at Barrett Jackson because it's a really unique car that could go un really undervalued. So and, and that's what the starting price is going to tell us. If he paid mid-30s for it, then that's probably what they, he's going to advise them to set the starting at, right? Yeah. right? So that he he cashes out. He's been trying to sell it for a year. And if he's done with it and he's a reseller, that might be the smartest move for him. Yeah. No, so we'll see. That's why we're, that's why we're talking about it is to try and try and see if somebody's going to be a winner or if it's going to set a new high benchmark. Well, I've got my number in, so I I came up. My numbers are the opening bid's going to be thirty k. It's going to hammer at forty eight. You're saying twenty to twenty five, and you think the car's going to hammer at how much? Forty five. Forty five. All right. So we're, we're about, so we're about three thousand off, and this is like the price is right. One dollar over, and you lose. So if it goes forty five, right. so my, my dollar and your dollar, and then we meet. <laughs> but it'll be much richer. So. What new, since I've got you on the line, what news coming up? What's new and exciting with the Type 3 scene out there? Any events coming up that people in podcast land need to hear about that they that are the must-be-at, must-attend Type 3 events coming up? Anything that we um, want to share? Well, so in 2020 coming up, we have uh, the Type 3 Invasion in Crescent City, which is all Type 3s. Um, and people come in from all around the country and meet at one 
location, which is always in a different place. So Crescent City is at the very top end of California, and um, that's happening in June next year. We'll probably see 40 Type 3s there, which is a pretty healthy number, and Type 34s will be a part of that, of course. Are you driving a car out to that? Not my car. I'm going to fly up to Sacramento and borrow a Type 3 and go in, in somebody else's Type 3. And go in style and then go home when the weekend's over and uh, feel refreshed and ready for work on Monday. San Diego to Crescent City is an 18-hour drive, so no thank you. Yeah, that's quite a haul. I mean, that's a... But the next year, in 2021, we've got the 60th anniversary of the Type 34. So that's going to be big. We're going to have a huge event in San Diego, and uh, we will probably, if I had to guesstimate, see... 30 type 34s for that well I, I for sure will be at the one in 2021 as far as the one in 2020 depending on what i have going on during the summer that would be cool to check out yep um any any other new type type three news that we need to know about that uh, you could share with our podcast listeners that might be going on you know there it's been pretty quiet recently with um, cars that have been found or unique things or low mileage or anything uh, so far it's been pretty quiet and I think the there haven't been a huge volume of cars selling either so I think for the most part people are seeing car values increase exponentially now over the last 10 years we've at least doubled values and so I think a lot of owners are just hanging on to what they've got yeah well, it's uh, it's pretty interesting um, with with what's taking place. I know you know I picked up a squareback about a year ago on a trade. It's a squareback that I owned, sold, and then got back. I don't know if you've seen my my uh, gray squareback, the gunmetal. Well, it's kind of a charcoal, the charcoal gray with the with the Porsche seventeen inch twist. Kind of my signature. <laughs> yep. But uh, that car, I've I, I've been driving that car, and I just went to they had a show here, Auto Fest in Vegas. And I drove my square back there and I had my my Let's Talk dubs easy up and I had all my table. I had everything in the back of that square back. I got to look really cool. I wasn't driving my bus. I was enjoying the Type 3. And I really, when I was driving that Type 3, other than the motor smoking a little bit because the motor needs to, <laughs> something needs to be done with the motor. She's <laughs> leaking a little bit of oil. Other yeah. than that, I really thought to myself like, I really enjoy driving Type Threes the most, just because of how they drive. So nice, yep. and very modern. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm getting my Type Three blood pumping again, and I'm really looking forward to to maybe get my gear on the road one of these days. It's it's two projects behind my split window. I'm supposed to have back in the next thirty days or less, um, is what I've been told. And so we're you know, plus minus eleven years. Um, but, uh, other than, other than that, and then I'm doing a little bit of a redo on the bull run bus right now. So, yep. uh, I'm, I'm enjoying driving my type three again. So there's, there's a little show going on in, in Vegas this weekend here and a couple people coming out from California. So a couple type three people. So we'll, uh. Awesome. We'll run into those guys. And uh, Lee, it'll be interesting to see what stuff hammers for this weekend. Like I said, uh, if I get out to Barrett, well, I'm pretty sure I'm getting out to Barrett Jackson. There's a lot going on this weekend, but I'm going to get out there to Barrett Jackson just to go walk up on this car, do a video walk around, talk about some of the things, get some details. So I may give a little heads up on Type 34 World, let people Great. know what, that I'll be by the car at around 3 o'clock or whatever the case is. So if they've got questions or want me to get close-up video of anything, yep. 
I'll get it. So Lee, I, I appreciate having you on again, man. It's always a pleasure. And, uh, for sure we'll have you back again when we maybe do some segments on maybe I'd like to put together a segment of the type 34 on a year by year breakdown or even on squarebacks or whatever, anything that we could do. How about a TC? Uh, uh, you know, it's funny you bring that up because there was a, there was, <laughs> there was a TC at the car show I was at. The yellow one. It, you did, okay. You saw that one, right? Let, yeah. let me tell you the story that upset me about that car. So I was at the salt, the, the, the Utah VW classic and I'm looking yeah. at the car, and it's got a for sale sign on it. And so I'm like, well, what's, what's the guy want for the car? There's no price on here. Let me call this guy. So I text the guy back and forth, talking to the guy. I text him. I'm at my booth. The guy calls me. I miss his call. And then I talked to a friend of mine. I said, hey, have you seen that yellow gear over there? The, the TC gear. And I don't know if the guy heard me say TC. He's like, yeah, that gear. That guy's new around here. I think he wants like 1900 bucks or something like that for it. <laughs> so I just drop everything I'm doing. I beeline it back towards the car. I'm calling the guy back on the number. I'm like, hey, what's going on? He's like, oh, I'm over in the swap meet. I'm like, where are you at? And so I just was standing next to that guy's booth talking to another guy. So I go back over and I'm like, oh, hey, what's going on? That's your TC? Yeah, what, you know, whatever, whatever. And I'm like, what are you asking for the car? Now, this car needed a full restoration. It was a driver, but it had been, you know, to the moon and back. And I'm like, well, what are you asking for? And he's like, I'm asking uh, nineteen five for it, you know, nineteen thousand five hundred. And I said, oh, all right, yeah. Yeah, that was the one with the hacked sunroof in it too, right? Well, I don't know if you'd call it hacked or if it's something you would get at a store that sold van supplies as well. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was an aluminum rimmed sunroof. I mean, pretty nice. That's space age materials. But you know what? There's three in the U.S., so when the next chance you're going to get to buy one? Well, see, and that's the question. That's what he said. Now, what is the validity to that, and how can we document that? 100% true. I'm, I'm the, I founded the TC registry, and we now have uh, 55 documented in the world. Yeah, maybe we do need to do something on TC because I tell you, those TCs, it looks like a baby Maverick is what it looks it, like. Or a Porsche and a Carmagia had a love child. Right, a love child with a little bit of uh, maybe like a humpback or something like that. But it's a, it's a, it's a well, little... we'll do that. We'll do that next time. For I've got sure. a really good example to share with everybody. Oh, that's awesome, man. Well, cool. Well, Lee, thanks for coming on the podcast, and for sure, we'll be watching this to go on. We'll follow up on Type Thirty Four World. We'll see what it hammers at, and we'll kind of we'll wish we'll wish uh everybody best of luck and hopefully this uh does something positive for the type 34 scene so just talking about it is a good thing that's it man well cool thanks for coming on the podcast and we'll talk to you again for sure lee talk to you soon have a good weekend thanks buddy see ya i hope you guys like that podcast i enjoyed discussing that with lee hedges Remember, if you like this podcast and like the podcast as a whole, make sure you go to letstalkdubs.com, go to the store, support the podcast, buy some merch to support your favorite podcast, keep things going. So uh, until next week, don't forget to keep an eye on Facebook where you'll see me at Barrett Jackson looking for that Type 34 and possibly doing a live walk around on that car and getting a good inspection up close. So until next week, guys, later.